Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Good afternoon, Canada, and today's date is May 20th, 2020. Welcome to another edition of Canadian Common Sense. It's Tony here in Saskatoon. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my friend? I don't know if you want to know. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, Buckle Up Canada. It is going to be one of those shows tonight. Um, we've got an awful lot in our minds. We're going to talk a little bit about our good friend, Justin Trudeau. No, we're going to talk a lot about our good friend, Justin Trudeau. Um, probably a little bit about the coronavirus. And I want to start off with uh, the Canadian Football League. So let's get right to it. Uh, breaking news announced just this afternoon that Canadian Football League is canceling the Grey Cup game in Regina this year. Which, um, for those of the listeners who have been with us for a while, um, you will know that Lewis and I are very big fans of the of the CFL, and we actually go to the Grey Cup game every year, and had every intention of going to the Grey Cup game in Regina this year. But yeah, that my flights, now will my, my flights are already booked. Yeah, so um, now we'll have to uh, reschedule it for 2022 because apparently the game is going to be given to Regina for 2022, but uh, 2021 is still a goal for Hamilton. So looking forward to that. And what's going to happen now is Commissioner Randy Ambrosi had actually announced to the media today that they're going, they're hoping to have a September to December shortened season and then have the team that finishes first place overall be the team that hosts the Grey Cup game. Now, let me stress that they're talking about a season ending in December. So really Toronto or Vancouver or BC better be the first place team or we're not having a game. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Holy like that. Can you imagine if Edmonton gets it? Well, exactly. Or, or, or Regina. Like no way, I mean, man. Edm- Edmonton, Regina, Winnipeg. I yeah. mean, oh. Montreal. I mean, well, Montreal could host it at the Big O, I guess, but, um, but I mean, like those teams, they, oh my God, December, yeah, Holy, it's already cold enough at the at like third weekend of November. I mean, you remember how cold that game was last year in Calgary? Yeah, it was pretty nasty. Yep. Yeah, that was really chilly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy. Oh man, I don't know what to say about this. Like September to December. Oh man, and the win and the first place team gets the Grey Cup. Why not just keep it in Regina? Well, yeah, and honestly, I mean, think Regina's about Regina's been preparing for it. So why not just leave it with them? Yeah, that and I'm just thinking even having regular season games in November, um I really don't know how many fans are going to be turning out for a game, a regular season game when it's 20 below. Yeah. And this is a gate driven league. Like people have, to, people have to understand this. Like 
the the TSN TV contract is not big enough to pay for anything really. I mean, it's the the it is a gate driven league, and they still lose on average five to ten million dollars each team every year. Like this is the CFL is a money losing proposition for the majority of the owners. There's only a handful of like a like two teams in the league that even make any money. Edmonton being one and Regina being the other, like Saskatchewan. Yeah, and Winnipeg did well this year because of the Grey Cup win victory because uh, merchandise sales went through the roof. But yeah, yeah I mean, that, uh, otherwise. Yeah, and BC kind of, I mean, BC, they, they kind of break even every, like most of the time. But it's, wow, like this, it's a gate-driven league. And if there's nobody coming out to games in November because it's 20 below zero in Edmonton or Winnipeg or – Regina, like, wow. Well, exactly. Yeah. About, yeah, I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, yeah, the only I thing I can think of is that the CFL needs to go talk to the NFL about about. Uh, I mean, because Ambrosi was coming going to the federal government, but maybe they need to talk to the NFL. And honestly, maybe. If, if the different, if if the very survival of the CFL is at stake. And and it means that we become a develop like a like a uh, a developmental league for the NFL. I'm okay with that. Like if it, well, if it and by and large, we already are. So, well, not really, because not very many players from the CFL go to the NFL. Well, yeah, I it, guess they they try. You're right, but it's it, the the CFL. If you play in the CFL, your chances of going to the NFL are really slim. And the reason is politics. That, that's it, just politics. Because we, there are some great players in the CFL that could play in the NFL. But because they play in the CFL, they're not going to the NFL. And we saw that. I mean, look at Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, uh, when he did go to Buffalo in the NFL later in his career, um, no matter how good he played, and he played amazingly well when he did play, um, they refused to let him be the starter because they had, because, I mean, because they had this young kid, but every time he played, they lost. And every time Doug Flutie played, they won, but they would never let him be the starter. And it was all because of politics. True. Yeah. No, uh, you mentioned about going to the government, this, um, Randy Ambrosi had, and this actually really ticked me off and I was going to rant about it, but then didn't have time. So here I am. Randy Ambrosi had gone to a, a panel of MPs asking for $150 million for the league to cover losses this year if they did not have a season, um, $30 million if they had an X number of games, and he had broken it down. And then one of the MPs on this panel uh, for the government was uh, Saskatoon MP Kevin Waugh, who used to be a sports broadcaster, and he actually roasted Randy Ambrosi and... He, and he said one thing which really ticked me off, and uh, he repeated it on the local news here. And he said, he said he was against giving the league any kind of money because he was concerned that, that some of that bailout money would go to pay American-born players and American front office staff. And I thought, dickhead, they're living here in Canada, most of them, and paying taxes here, paying taxes here when they are playing in Canada, and... Since when have you got holier than now and don't want to pass money out to foreign countries when 
you could be criticizing Justin Trudeau, who throws billions out of this country, but you're going to get mad about 150 million that's going to go to some American players. Like, give me a break. And uh, yeah, most of those American players live in Canada because CFL players don't make a lot of money. Like they make they make what you and I make, and they I mean, except for the elite players. But the regular roster players, like just a regular defensive player or offensive player, they they make they make what you and I make. They you know they make. Oh yeah. I think what's the minimum in the CFL? It's like fifty grand or something. Like it's really low, and it's and so these players can't afford to be jetting around the place. Like they live here because this is where they play football, and they have a they have a well. That's right. In the off season. Well, and the, yeah, because the average salary, I believe, is somewhere around eighty thousand. Is uh, I think was is what the average is. So yeah, I mean, yeah. these guys are not getting rich by any means. And when they're making eighty five thousand, well, they're paying at least a third of that into the tax man. So uh, a third. Yeah, well, probably guess they'd be half because they're considered rich, aren't they? So it's, <laughs> well, eighty grand is top ten percent per income earner, right? So that's true. Yeah. I believe they're in, in the 40% range. So, but um, yeah, so 40% of their income is going to income taxes and, and everything, just like the rest of us. So, yeah. you know, they're paying taxes in Canada. Like that is, that is so, wow. <laughs> I'm speechless. Well, yeah, like I, uh, I guess, I mean, I've got bias because I love the CFL. So, uh, the way I look at it, if Justin Trudeau can throw $850 million at the World Health Organization to uh, fight COVID-19 globally, what's $150 million for the CFL? Yeah, I mean, it's – he's throwing money at really useless and pointless things. Like, I heard it's going to cost somewhere around a billion dollars for Canada to get that UN security seat. Oh, I'm sure they spent more than that already. But I think that that's what it's, what the, what the official campaign money is like a billion dollars to get that two year temporary, meaningless, worthless, toothless seat. Oh my gosh. And it's, uh, and he's throwing, he's throwing more money at it by throwing money at the WHO by sucking up to China still. I mean, like, he's, in the last week here, he's he's been, uh, you know, saying some slightly critical things towards China and not even that critical. Like, it's, it's just not as, I don't know. I don't even know what the word is, but it's not as, it's just not as, uh, He's just not placating as much as he was. And the only reason for that is because a poll came out and you know how governments love to govern by opinion poll. And this latest poll came out and said that only 14% of Canadians now have a favorable view of China. So I can't believe it's that high high either. What the heck? Maybe it's the Chinese population that like Chinese Canadians. Yeah. Chinese immigrants that have moved here, right. That have that view. Maybe that's, maybe that's where it is because I don't know anybody. I don't know a single person who has a positive view of China right now. 
<laughs> no, exactly. Uh, and I mean, so, I know so many people anyway, um, on the oh, we're never going to buy anything that's made in China ever again. Lots of people are saying that to me. And well, I, I'm in that camp. Oh, me too. I mean, it's hard because most of the clothing on the racks are from China, but like, honestly, like I found, I found a few shirts recently. They were made in Mexico. So I'd rather buy that. Yep. Or Bangladesh. Is there a lot of clothing made there? And, uh, so lots of clothing's made in Vietnam. So, yeah. But anyway, um, with China, they, um, I don't know if you know if you've heard of the uh, United Front, but they've uh, gotten themselves sort of into the news lately. Now, the United Front, for our listeners who might not know, is the the young Chinese communists, and it was the United Front who actually was in responsible for procuring. I believe it was two and a half billion dollars worth of PPE before the Wuhan virus epidemic hit the rest of the world. So they actually were responsible for getting their citizens living in other countries or even Chinese people who had become citizens of other countries were getting bullied into and coerced into asked to get PPE from the country they're living in and send it to China, which of course, brought about shortages in all other countries, but uh, I mean, hey, it's China, right? So uh, that's okay. Well, I'm just getting sick and tired of the way that Trudeau is is softballing China on everything. I mean, oh, yeah. it does, and it doesn't matter what China does. Like China, like what was it yesterday or the day before declared that they're going to get revenge on 122 countries that are calling for an investigation into where the Wuhan virus actually uh, originated from. Wasn't that something? I heard that too. Yeah, you never heard and anything out of Trudeau about that. No, of course not. And uh, and I mean, and like you say, he's even his quote unquote getting tough stance is really just sort of dancing around and trying to compliment them less. Yeah, but uh, it was Australia actually had taken a rather tough stance, and yeah, China threatened Australia directly. And from what I can tell, the Australian Prime Minister more or less just said, "Bring it on," because he's got a lot of popularity in Australia because of that stance. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I mean, I've got to be honest. Like, I really do uh, like the. Australian attitude towards things like you see we've done this before with like um, uh, with uh, Muslim immigrants who are demanding changes in Australia to accommodate them and Australia basically said if you don't like if you don't like our way of life then go home and and they're and now they're taking on China saying you know what you guys screwed the rest of the world and and you need to pay for this yeah and the funny thing is china um with it last week very recently at any rate um their diplomat in canada uh, had the balls to say publicly that china is the victim of disinformation and it comes when it comes to the wuhan virus and i thought you're the victim now you guys like, oh my God! <laughs> yeah, and they're and they're one of the purveyors of false 
they're probably the biggest purveyor of false information on the internet right now. Because I mean, what did what did China do as soon as as soon as this all broke around the world? Oh, China immediately got their propagandists online and were uh, uh, saying that it was U.S. soldiers that, yeah. that brought the the virus to Wuhan. I mean that, and, and and you know what? CNN covered that like it was a real story. Oh, of course. I mean, CNN equals fake news. I mean, that's why Donald Trump has been so popular for calling them out because CNN is just a propaganda arm. Oh yeah, absolutely of the DNC. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I don't know what it is about the left. I mean, you see it in the states, you see it in Canada, and they they hate their own country. Oh yeah. Like Canada is the same thing. The NDP and even the the more leftist uh, members of the Liberal Party they hate Canada, and they want to see Canada like torn down and uh, and rebuilt in some socialist fascist uh, you know model. And and I mean, well, Justin Trudeau is all too willing to help them too, but. Sadly, yeah. Now, actually, speaking of Justin Trudeau, we may as well segue into that. Um, there's a couple things I want to touch on with with the virus, and you've got a really good one that I think we'll probably wrap the show up with because that'll be the uh, the fire and brimstone segment. Um, <laughs> first, first of all, I guess I forgot to to bring this point up at the beginning of the show. I should say that uh, I want to just say a special tribute and to captain jennifer casey who was the snowbirds pilot who sadly lost her life actually just a couple of valleys over from you this uh, this, on the past weekend and yeah i want to thank her for her service and uh may she rest in peace yeah that was that was really shocking and really sad and it was uh that was a terrible terrible day um the like I, my, um, my aunt actually works with the woman whose yard she landed in and, oh my. Uh, and she's a nurse. And so she was, you know, trying to help her. Um, but she knew as soon as she got to her that she was, that she was deceased. And, uh, so oh, wait, is she retired from nurse by a chance? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I actually heard in the news, I said, yeah, re- there's a lady who was retired nurse who ran to the scene and found, okay, so that was your aunt. Okay, wow. Yeah, not my aunt, someone that works with, or worked with my aunt. Oh, works so, with, okay. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it's, it was really sad. And I mean, like my, my aunt and uncle live uh, less than half a kilometer from where the plane crashed. It's... Oh my. Yeah, it, it's a, it, it hit pretty close to home, you know, like it's, yeah, it's just, it's just awful. So yeah. Now, now you want to know what's truly awful about this and haters um, go ahead and send me the emails for politicizing this. I, I know where you're going with this is that the, the planes, the jets of the snowbirds fly are from the 1960s. And there was a government that was going to buy some new jets for the Canadian snowbirds, but a certain prime minister decided to cancel that contract. And who would that prime minister be? Justin Trudeau. 
that would be Justin Trudeau. So you want to know where uh, where the fault lies? I mean, it's not Justin Trudeau's fault the plane malfunctioned. It's the fact that the plane is an antique. And I'm, I put this on Justin Trudeau because he could have done something to replace those jets, but instead decided to send some almost 60-year-old jets to fly around the country for this uh, – for what was supposed to be a, a national pep rally and instead well, took one of our national treasures away from us. Yeah. Well, let's, let's be fair here and wait for the outcome of the investigation. Fair enough. Because we don't know if it was pilot error. We don't know if it was, uh, if it was an engine failure or they hit a bird or something, right? We don't know. We don't know what happened. And True, so yeah. I, I don't want to blame anybody for this until we know the truth. But uh, but you are correct in that Stephen Harper uh, actually put, uh, I, I believe they even signed a contract to replace those uh, jets. And Justin Trudeau in 2016 canceled it. Um, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that seems to be a hallmark of liberal parties because uh, Jean Chrétien did the same thing back in the early 90s when he was elected. He canceled the helicopter purchase to replace the uh, antique Sea Kings, and they proceeded to have several crashes and multiple deaths uh, because those helicopters were so old. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that that's what happened here, but I would like to wait here and wait and see what the outcome of the investigation is. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, so I'm going to keep on Justin Trudeau for a second here. Well, probably for many, many more minutes. So when asked about uh, the Canadian emergency response benefit and fraud, as in there's people who are, pl- who are applying for the benefit who don't necessarily qualify namely like if for example someone like myself who's working full-time and you know didn't lose any hours as a result of of the government lockdowns if someone like me were to apply for the benefit obviously that's fraud because i don't deserve it Uh, and there were reportedly about two hundred thousand people who have made fraudulent claims what was justin trudeau's reaction uh well you know we're just happy to get the money out and He's essentially saying they're not going to worry about the the few dishonest people. We're talking which could easily be four hundred million dollars of your and my money, and Mr. Trudeau is just like meh, not even going to chase it. Well, the CFL is just asking for one hundred fifty million. But exactly, yeah. The, but here, here's the thing: I'm in business. I'm a business owner, and. Uh, I know other business owners very well, and we talk about, you know, the issues that we're having going through all this. And some of my friends who, who own businesses tell me that they have help wanted ads out and can't get anyone to even apply. Yeah, and, it's, and, and that's and actually... It, and it's coming down to the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit because they can sit at home and yeah. collect two grand a month instead of working. Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up because that's actually something I'd heard just on the news or uh, on a radio show over the last few days was uh, this disincentive to go to work because of the benefit. And, of course, the push for universal basic income is coming harder and harder now because of this whole, the pandemic. And this right here is the problem with 
any kind of universal basic income. So I wish that people on the left would just shut up about it, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, this is exactly what I predicted would happen. And, and it is exactly what's happening. And I mean, yeah, we did need to help people, but you know what? Like this just goes to show it human nature, you know, that, yeah. that they will, people will take advantage. I mean, we've had, I've had people tell me you should apply for that $40,000 loan. And I said, why? Well, because you get 10 grand of it uh, forgiven. It's free $10,000. And I, and I'm like, yeah, but I don't need it. I'm getting through this without using government help. And if I can do that, I'm why would I take the money? That's money that you are paying in taxes. Like why, why would I do that? Well, because you get 10 grand for free. No, it's not free. It's not free. (laughs) Everybody's taxes are going to be getting increased after this to pay for all this. Like, but this is the, this is human nature. It's like, oh, government's giving stuff out for free. Let's get it. Well, guess what? When they do an audit and find out that you didn't need it in the first place, you're going, you're, you're getting fined. You're going to have to pay it back. You might even be charged for fraud. Yeah. So, and, and why, why would you do it if you don't need it? Like, that's what I don't understand with people. But, but well, that's just it. Yeah. It's like, I'm doing this without any government help. I'm going to get through this. And I'm proud of that. No, and good on you for, for doing that. Now, um, you mentioned before that, you know, things that you predicted will happen that are now happening. I hate to uh, pump your tires some more. But speaking of things that you have predicted were going to happen that are now happening is uh, debt crisis and recession that, that, uh, you had talked about on this show back in the fall and now we're starting to hear other, you know, political pundits, other podcasters talk about these exact same things. And that crisis came up again today. And I thought it was interesting that suddenly now all these forecasters are looking ahead. And the reason I bring it up is because we had talked about debt crisis. We had talked about currency and the word sovereign debt crisis came up, and I thought that was actually something that we had talked about but hadn't really attached the label to it. And I thought it's worth discussing because we've got Newfoundland and Labrador on the brink of bankruptcy now, and Ontario, with the largest sub-sovereign debt in the world, can't be that far behind. New Brunswick is teetering on bankruptcy if we were to lose all three of those provinces to bankruptcy, this country is screwed. Alberta could very well be in that same boat in a short order. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, the city of Calgary could be not far behind. I mean, it's like, because I mean, like Calgary is like, they're so starved for tax dollars that they're raising taxes on businesses that are just you know, just, just to pay for the property tax bills. Like, and they've been doing that for the last couple of two or three years. They've been raising the taxes dramatically every year because more and more businesses are going bankrupt or going out of business. Like downtown Calgary has a 30% vacancy rate. So, I mean, like the city of Calgary could very well go bankrupt eventually in the, in the near future. 
the province of Alberta could go bankrupt in, in the near future, uh, along with those other provinces you mentioned. And it's, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is very, very real. Yep, it is. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to add one more looming crisis to the list that I actually hadn't thought of until today. And it just kind of came to me is there's going to be a real crisis in our legal system. I was talking with a, a friend of mine who's a, an RCMP officer, Royal, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and he had said that, I don't know if it's, if it's nationwide, but at least here in Saskatchewan, all uh, court dates have been, been suspended till starting in, up and get in July. And I thought, there's a law in Canada that states every Canadian has a right to, uh, to a timely trial. Yeah, and with the, with the backlog that's going to exist in our legal system after this is all over, we're going to see an awful lot of criminals getting off on the technicality that they were not able to get timely access to the legal system. See, I thought that w- that would be the case too until I spoke to a lawyer, um, and that lawyer told me that yes, it's usually considered two years, and lots of people get released from uh, prison awaiting trial and it happens all the time because because it takes more than two years to get to trial right now but in that legislation it says that is the case barring uh, extraordinary circumstances oh and this would probably be classified as extraordinary circumstances well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, this is, oh, I forgot to mention the city of Vancouver has announced that they're very close to uh, bankruptcy. So I, I that's forgot, right. I did I hear that. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, that's right. So, yeah, no, the, the, the legal system, I, I'm not worried about it because I think that this is, uh, I don't think anybody would win on appeal or even, uh, or even. Okay, good anything because this these would be considered extraordinary circumstances right yeah so shall we get on to what's really scaring the bejesus out of both of us absolutely and i'm actually going to let you lead the way on this one because uh you brought this to my attention and got my back going up but uh let's get you started all right so I don't know, Tony, how many times has Trudeau attempted to become a dictator? How many times? Yeah. Three? Uh, that, that just in recent memory, yeah. Yeah, so like just this year, maybe two or Correct. three? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, okay. By trying to uh, slip through some legislation uh, that they wouldn't have to go to or have any parliamentary oversight on their spending for two years. Uh, they, I, they attempted to, well, they have banned 1500 different rifles uh, to, uh, you know, attempt a beginning of disarming the Canadian public. Uh, and, uh, and, and the most recent one was uh, what was announced today which is that uh, any large business that applies for or that receives uh, bridge 
financing from the uh, federal government, which to those who don't know, bridge financing is a loan. It is not a grant. It is not a bailout. It is a loan. The government would be loaning money to these large businesses to help them get through a, 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 a very tough economic time that was caused by the federal government shutting down the economy. Now, in exchange for receiving bridge financing loans, the government is making it mandatory that these large corporations give partial ownership to the federal government. How about that? Now, I'm going to go to a common definition of socialism, and socialism being an economic system where the government directly owns the means of production. So we're not quite there yet. However, fascism – sorry, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. Okay. Um, We can talk fascism, and I know people always, as soon as you say that word, say, oh, you're going too far. Or the, and, uh, and the common the common belief is that fascism is a right wing ideology, which you and I have argued for years is a left wing ideology. And it isn't. And here's why: because fascism, and again, haters, go ahead and send us the email. It's a system where, by all means, means of production remains within the private sector. However, control is still in government hands because they a put the government money and government people into these corporations. So really the, uh, like the quote unquote owner doesn't actually control the means of production or the business that they supposedly own because it's actually government or friends thereof. Exactly. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. Sounds like the, uh, Republic of China. It sure does. Yeah. Because that's what, how it works in China. In China, the government has government, people uh, in every single large business. Actually, I think it's every single business in China has government people in those companies making decisions and uh, being in control. And that is exactly what Trudeau is attempting to do here. Yeah, isn't that something? And Trudeau really is a fascist. He's totally a fascist. He's dangling government money, which is not the government's. It's your money. It's my money. And he's dangling our taxpayer money in front of companies who honestly just need some help and saying, okay, you want this. He's going to dangle it in front of your face until you say, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll jump. How high, sir? And... This is exactly why you are on the right track by avoiding that $40,000 that you can apply for and why anybody should be staying way the hell away from any kind of taxpayer assistance, bailout, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but the crazy thing is, is that these aren't even bailouts. They're loans. Could you imagine if you went to the bank for a loan and they said, yeah, we want partial ownership of whatever you're taking this loan out for. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, now you know there's going to be a left-winger who's going to argue with you and say, oh, if the bank's putting money into your business, then they, they have that right. No, they don't. They can, well, they can loan me the money, I'll pay them back with interest, and they can shove right off. This is scary, scary stuff. Oh, it is, yes. And I, I, it's, it's indefensible, and, it's, and it is anybody who has told me over the years, and believe me, a lot of people have told me, that I'm being, uh, I'm being uh, 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 oh, paranoid. I'm being paranoid that whenever I called Justin Trudeau a fascist or a socialist, that I was being paranoid that it would ne- like who's going to do that in Canada? Well, guess what? Justin Trudeau's doing it in Canada. That's right. Yep. And what bugs me, and this is a. Uh... A bit of a tangent, and we'll come back to where we're at right now. But this is what's really ticking me off with Parliament, because Justin Trudeau, A, won't recall Parliament, and B, will only talk about COVID-19, because that's the, what this session is. It's, a, it's all about COVID-19. And I get that. But I, this is where I agree with Andrew Shear wholeheartedly. And I, I've always liked Mr. Shear, so I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise. But he's been hitting Mr. Trudeau hard, saying we need to have an actual parliament. We need to be able to discuss legislation. We need to be able to hold the government to account. Because Mr. Trudeau, with his little daily briefings, and by the way, he phoned the, the pre- president of Barbados this morning before his morning briefing to campaign more for that UN seat. And he steps out of, out of his, his little hovel in Rideau Cottage and as you say, he enjoys his role as spokesman, throws some more money around, looks for people he hasn't given money to yet, throws more money at them, and answers a few questions from hand-picked reporters or hand-picked media outlets, and then goes back into his cave for the day. I mean, this is not a government. This is a goddamn monarchy. Yeah. I mean, it's what's going on right now is really concerning because these governments... And honestly, the, the provincial governments are actually being quite reasonable compared to the federal government. Our federal government is like, they got a taste of, of absolute power and they don't want to let go of it now. And I mean, that's, that's a good Justin, way to put it. And that's why Justin Trudeau is, is telling the premiers, like, you open up, we might have to shut it all down again. You know, like he's threatening them with that. And and it's like, you know, this is, this is, like, I'm scared out of my mind at the moment. Yeah, well, this is, it's, it's ridiculous is what it is. And then uh, and we'll, we'll segue back into the, uh, the, the loan discussion we were just talking about. And it's just one more step down the road. I mean, we've, we've got, yeah, he's already playing a dictator in Ottawa with, with the press and with, uh, with holding back parliament. And, now he's trying it on the economic side. It's like, okay, if I can't seize complete political control, let's try getting control of the economy. Well, you guys do enough by regulating us to death, but now you want to start to, to buy into businesses, quote unquote? Like, we can't yeah. go down this road, Canada. We're, uh, we're already too far as it is. Yeah. Okay. So Trudeau has bought off the media with $600 million. Trudeau has attempted to circumvent parliament for two for a two-year period which would have just been extended after that exactly uh he has uh begun the disarmament of 
the Canadian population. He has instituted nationalizing corporations, which I believe I mentioned a couple of months ago when they were bringing in this COVID-19 legislation where they attempted to become dictators. It also said in there, and I mentioned this on on the podcast, I said that they reserve the right to nationalize any business that they choose. So they have now started the nationalizing of industry. This is scary stuff. This is what communist dictators do. Yeah. And uh, what has now recently come to light as well, and this is uh, just the punditry talking, but there is talk, of course, because Mr. Trudeau is rather high in the polls right now because of what we had talked about before, people wrapping themselves in the flag and uh, he's Captain Canada and he's he's our big leader and he's the only one we hear from well, because like of what we just discussed. And people and like free stuff, yeah. So now there's ta- there's ta- there's talk now that uh, he's going to potentially engineer the demise of his government so that he can you know, shut down parliament, call an election, and you know, tell Canadians, I need a majority to help steer us through the recovery. And yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. No, I have heard that this is a real, very real possibility. And this is why, one of the reasons why I said back in the spring when all this started, well, I guess we're still in the spring technically, back, uh, technically. back when this whole COVID-19 started and, and the conservatives delayed their uh, – leadership campaign and i said they need to move the date up because we need a permanent leader uh in the official opposition to uh to take to hold them to task because let's face it sheer is a lame duck he is yep and you did say that that's actually exactly what you said a couple months ago yeah and they delayed it until august i believe now and uh, instead of having it june and now it's, um, I mean, Trudeau could actually call an election before the Conservatives even pick a leader. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Catch him flat-footed. Yeah. And he would like nothing more than that, honestly. That's, uh, I mean, he, he wants to seize power, so it would not surprise me one bit if he found some way to engineer his own demise. And I just hope. And I mean, I, I hope this in the last election that Canadians would be smart enough to see through it. But God, it's hard to keep hoping for the same thing when uh, the definition of insanity, you uh, try the same thing and hope for a different result. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, we are under uh, time constraint here. So I've got to, uh, we got to wrap this up. Sure. So, uh, but I'm sure to yeah, this up with several rants this week. So. Yes, indeed, we will. I've got a couple more things on the back burner right now. So, um, well, Canada, thank you for going down this road with us. And we're going to keep putting it out there. I mean, we still tend to be ahead of the curve here. I'm glad that there's other media outlets and shows and whatnot that are catching up. And I'm, I, I don't mind. I'm glad they're saying the same things that we are because uh, we've really got to find some way to be a check and balance on our own government, Canada, because that Mr. Justin Trudeau is doing everything he can to consolidate power into his own hands. And we can't go down that road. Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, until then, we'll leave you on that somber note yet one more time. And thank you very much for joining us. Until next time, it's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in beautiful BC. Good night, Canada. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.